lots and lots of spoilers. Sing, O heavenly muse. Give lift to tongue and tell the tale of Maxillon and Michaelos and the flickering arts of light and shadow hewn from the screen of silver by men and gods. Give voice to the exploits of these two well-matched heroes and their magical steed, Bumpicles, <laughs> in their dreadful clashes <laughs> with the crafters of the Wood of Holly and their Hades-spawned creations that could delight the eye or freeze the sphincter. <laughs> Guide and guard, O muse, in this tale of twofold heroes struggling deep with the arts of Cross and Davis, of Olivier and Hamlin, of Smith and Andrus, and of Harryhausen and his beasts of action stopping. Stop not thine eyes, for tears shall freely fall, and fast and deadly shall the farts fly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Copies of my epic poem, The Bumpy Ad, will be available for purchase in the next Bumpy Hut catalog. <laughs> You had a lot of time this week, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I was bored. What can I say? This, I this I got to applaud that. That was that was a great effort. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all. Uh, this weekend, that Bumpy sure was 1981. Please. We doil, we don our togas and oil up to grapple with the Clash of the Titans, uh, the original, mind you, not the 2010 remake. This is the one with Sir Lawrence Olivier, Dame Maggie Smith, Ursula Andress, Claire Bloom, Burgess Meredith, and sure, Harry Hamlin. The effects were done by the great Ray Harryhausen, and it's all based on the ancient Greek myth of Perseus and Andromeda. It's got to be a winner, right? <laughs> Bumpy please, right? hear a song and story, <laughs> Bumpy please. <laughs> they couldn't screw this up too badly, right? It's not like they put a robot owl in for comic relief, right? <sighs> well, regardless, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Max Levine, son of Jeff, the god of biscuits. And over there, posing for his portrait on a Grecian urn, what's a Grecian urn? About 50 drachma an hour. Thank you! <laughs> Is rosy-nostrilled Mike Luce. Unfortunately, he'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> Tip your weight staff. Over. Yep, so we're going to be doing Clash of the Titans, but first, <gasps> we have a poll question. Poll question. Do critics' opinions actually influence whether or not you will see a film? If so, in what circumstance? We didn't get a whole lot of, of uh, answers to this, but the ones we got were fulsome. Mm. From Valerie, I keep telling you I'm not Mike's sister, Coons. <laughs> I'd say sometimes. It depends on the critic. Some I'll never agree with. It also depends on why they like or don't like a movie. It's for the same reason, if it's for the same reasons I would think of, I would definitely be influenced. Sometimes, though, there's a movie I really want to see, and it won't matter what any of them say. Reasonable. From Dave. Dave. Yes, to whom we are his zombie slaves. Slave. There is a certain amount of time one spends looking to find movies or TV shows that are worth watching. Reviews help us do that. This is especially true for me with Japanese movies. There are a few good review books that help me identify and find Japanese movies that are worth watching. In addition, a lot of the pleasure in a movie is based on expectations. Hmm. If you go into a movie with low expectations, you are more likely to enjoy it than if you have high expectations. That's a point. Maybe. In that sense, a review can help set expectations. 
I've never felt that reviewers did justice to comedies, so I think there is no correlation between a review and whether or not you will, I will enjoy a comedy. Since, since the internet, you may have heard of it, I do f- find that very high ratings on IMDb generally correlate well to the entertainment value of a movie. If it scores above an 8, I'm likely to enjoy it. Very thorough. Mm, very it makes logical. sense, too. Mm. Sensible. That's logical. Good. Dave knows kung fu. He does. Well, karate, but... <laughs> Steve Kellner writes, Yes, but not necessarily those of individual critics. Oh. Regularly use Metacritic, and I look at the distribution of scores from professional critics. Ugh, math. Average... <laughs> It's hard at Math the beach. Math is hard at the beach, yes. <laughs> Averages in the green and has no red, I take as a sign of high quality, especially if averaging particularly high, like 80s or better. Averages in the yellow depends on the shape of the distribution. If it is a bell curve in the... My God, this really is math. It will probably be <laughs> mediocre. Yeah, if it has a lot of high greens and also some reds and yellows, in other words, the score forms a U-shaped curve, then it is probably a cult film. Some people will like it and some won't. Then I'll check out the reviews in more detail, as well as the film description to see whether I think I will be among those who like it. For example, I love Toys, featuring Robin Williams, but it isn't for everyone. Hmm. If it averages in the red, forget it. Not going to be worth it unless we are going to snark at it, and frankly, I quit being willing to spend time and money on those movies a long time ago. Oh, that's sad. Those are our favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love Siskel and Ebert because between the two of them alone, I could usually figure out if I wanted to see a movie or not. Huh. Hmm. Wow. Neat. Thank thank you, Steve, for that, <laughs> that uh, very thorough, if math-heavy, <laughs> uh, response. Max doesn't like math. Like math. Math bad. <laughs> uh, Matt Reisman writes, kind of. If critics' opinions are wildly different from what I expected, it can change whether or not I want to see a movie in theaters. Hmm. Once something is on streaming, time, attention, and interest are a much greater driving factor. Now, that's interesting. We mm. hadn't thought to ask if uh, critics' criticism meant more if you were going to see one in the theater or on streaming or some such. Well, I think he also might be just saying if it's only available on streaming. And there is a weird dichotomy, right? Because there's going to the theater. Uh, let's take the pandemic out of the equation. But yeah. going to the theater requires effort, but it's also... An event, right? It's a destination. Mm. But if it's at home, the movie, if it's only streaming at home, it's fighting a lot of other things that you're thinking I could be doing that Uh. you wouldn't be distracted by going to a theater. So it's definitely... I understand that totally. There's lots of movies I miss Mm. because I could sit down and watch them, but cooking or cleaning or artwork or, quite honestly, video games. So, Sure. Uh, Brian Mundo points out, I look at the audience score. I have a tendency to disagree with critics because they look at things like cinematography and actability and storyline. And you don't? I I asked him. He oh. didn't answer. <laughs> huh. Now, I want it. now I'm curious as to what he does look at that they don't. Don't know. <laughs> Damn it, Brian. You've left us with more questions than answers. Come on, slow band. Damn answer you! <laughs> and from our international contingent, Vince... I read reviews to get a feel for what other people are thinking about a movie, but I don't really take any of it to heart, as I often have my own experience in the cinema, but it can help me decide to spend $15 Mm. or wait and watch it online. Again, the dichotomy between uh, online and theaters. I would never say listen to anything two guys and a horse tell you about a film. (laughs) Hey! Not that it is happening any... Woo! Woo! Why? (laughs) Woo! 
You're lucky you're across that that international border there, pal. Yeah, I won't mention that he happened to be in Boston this week. Oops! Ooh! <laughs> Do not take it amiss as I slap you silly! <laughs> but, th- as always, thank you so much for your responses. These were really well thought out and yeah. very, inter- very interesting. And there'll be bumpy bucks aplenty for all of you. Except for Vince. Except for Vince. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Max? Do you, uh, do you listen to critics? Um, I do, actually. I like to hear what they say. I don't always agree with it, but I'm always interested just to hear what someone else thought of the movie. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll bring up a point, or the thing that I like about critics is sometimes they'll interpret a movie in a way I didn't. Uh, I was reading, say, a, critic, uh, a thing about Encanto, the, the animated movie, which we may come to at some point, and, talk, and they were talking about, yeah, it's a really interesting allegory for ha- for being autistic in a neuronormative family. Hmm. And I was like, what? Wow, I ne- that never even occurred to me. Huh. I wonder if it and occurred to Disney. I don't know. So it's not always w- that it'll convince me whether I want to see a movie or not, but I, I do like getting other perspectives. I like hearing what other people think of them. Uh, you know, except for you. But what do you think of it? <laughs> How do critics affect whether you want to see a movie? Settle up, Bumpy. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I listen to us. Because <laughs> if we don't know, who will? Now, true, um, true. I too miss Siskel and Ebert. I didn't like the guys who came after, not least of which because Michael Medved wrote uh. the Golden Turkey Awards and seemed a little too pleased with himself. And then there was Jeffrey, uh, yeah. what's his name, who just seemed angry all the time. Mostly oh, likely because yeah. he had to sit next to Michael Medved. Uh, <laughs> but I liked Siskel and Ebert. Um, they could get pretty picky sometimes, but... They had the chops, like they would see, like they would sit through my dinner with Andre and really enjoy it because they would also have seen other realms of cinema that I would not have seen to make them, you know, excited by that sort of thing. When it comes to movies, like am I going to see it or not? I would say that looking at critics online, and I don't have a specific place that I go to. It's usually if it shows up in like io9 or whatever. Um, If it's a film I've really been looking forward to and it gets meh results these days, I usually don't bother. Like, so it it actually does. Because I'm tired of seeing films that are just bleh. You know? I either want it to be spectacularly bad and enjoy that, or I want it to be at least decent. Yeah. So, yeah, it does. Yeah. But um, I'm betting you have a new... Spanking, I don't know why spanking, but poll spanking. question. Would you share uh, this, please? There will be no, I will not share any spanking, no. <laughs> a spanking, and, no, a spanking! <laughs> and no, I don't have one because I want you to lose the bet. Ha! There, I win. Now, uh, for next week, is there a type or genre of movie that you feel has just been overdone? You're just oh. done with it. One that makes you go, oh, geez, not another fill-in-the-blank movie. If so, what is it? Hmm. You know, you're tired of westerns, you're tired of superhero movies, slasher movies, what? Salad movies. Really tired of salad movies. Movies I about know. salad. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that just really peaked in the mid-2000s, but yeah. I wish they just mix it up. <laughs> anyway. Get the horse in here. <laughs> and I never thought I'd say that. Yay! But now, <laughs> but now trivia. The show. Budget. For Clash of the Titans, $15 million, 14.5 of which I'm pretty sure went to pay Laurence Olivier. <laughs> Worldwide gross, $41 million. Really? 
Yeah. Now, oh. hmm. that's technically a success. There was a sequel planned. It just sort of never happened. All I can assume is they looked at it and said, a sequel? What, are we stupid? <laughs> what were they going to call it? Clash of the Titans again? Yeah, some, I don't remember what it was. I would like to point out, just having to watch a, a documentary about this, they made Aliens for $15 million. Just wow. saying. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Just saying. Just good. <laughs> uh Harry Hamlin and Ursula Andrus began a relationship during production. Their son, Dimitri Hamlin, was born in 1980 after completion of principal photography. This isn't particularly interesting as trivia. I just want to say, nice job, Harry! <laughs> wow. Damn, oh, man! That's a nice, uh, nice uh, throwback to uh, caveman times there, Max. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Ursula Andrus, good Lord. And the sad thing is, now, Ursula Andrus is... She's listed on the posters. She's got main title billing. She has one line in the <laughs> whole movie. One! <laughs> Good Lord, people. Yeah. Sir Lawrence Olivier was so ill during the making of the <laughs> film, he would often go and lean on his tall, burly co-star, Pat Roach, fellow who played Hephaestus, saying... Let me draw some of your strength, dear boy. <laughs> Good old Come Larry. On, how awesome would it be to have Laurence Olivier say that to you? Oh. <laughs> Depends what he did Forget next. Forget Harry Hamlin. I want to be Pat Roach. <laughs> uh, the original script called for Perseus to cut off Medusa's head simply by throwing his shield at her. When Captain Perseus <laughs> throws his mighty shield. <laughs> However, in an which would be an attempt to uh, appease the UK standards and practices censors, be uh, because these producers felt the hero decapitating someone would not be appropriate for children in the audience. I don't know why you would have children in the audience for this, and also, that is what happens in the damn story. Yeah. Uh, Harry Hamlin was apparently resistant to the idea from the beginning as it wasn't in keeping with the actual Greek mythology. Well done, Harry. Sure. When the day came to film the scene and it still hadn't been changed, he threatened to quit the movie and fly home. Oh. He stayed in his trailer, much to the annoyance of the producers, the director, and Ray Harryhausen. And in the process of trying to coax him out, he was gradually able to get the rest of the crew members on his side. Which wow. resulted in the scene being rewritten. What an odd thing to put a stand, make a stand on. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the accuracy of our depiction <laughs> of it. And we'll, we'll be probably talking about that. Just Yeah. Uh, they, the Titans are mentioned a couple of times in this. Good, they're not in it. Oops. <laughs> yeah, the they, were, they were the gods who, they were the supernatural beings who preceded the Olympians. Right. Cronos uh, and Atlas were probably the most famous. None of the Titans from Greek mythology are supposed to appear in this movie. In the movie, we have the Kraken, who is supposed to be a Titan, except A, no, he isn't, and B, there's no such thing as a Kraken in Greek mythology, because the Kraken's from Norse mythology. I have a Kraken I need to release. Uh, <laughs> you should have done that before the show. I did. It, oh. oh. Now I'm going to have to replace the office chair. Oh. <laughs> Release oh. the Kraken! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, in this, they refer to Medusa as a Titan. Uh, no. She's no Titan. She was a Gorgon. Yes. 
One of three. Uh, we also get Calibos, Lord of the Marsh and son of Thetis, also made up. Doesn't appear in Greek mythology. He's clearly a kind of ripoff of Caliban from uh, The Tempest. That was from the X-Men. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, now, Thetis, first of all, Thetis is not a goddess. She's a river nymph. And while she did have a famous son, it was Achilles. It oh. was not Perseus. Yeah, she was Achilles' mama. Oh. Now, as I'm sure everyone's favorite character, Bubo. <laughs> the... Bubol, what? As <laughs> Bubos, the mechanical owl of Athena, was introduced, this will shock you, to capitalize on the popularity of R2-D2. What? Yeah, I know. Uh, the name Bubo basically is another word for owl. It ah. is, it's the uh, genus of eagle owl or horned owl, and, uh, the, which is odd because the robot is modeled after a barn owl, which is a, the genus Taito. Ah. Uh, Bubo does, by the way, if you ever are infli- have to inflict yourself with the remake, Clash of the Titans, done in 2010, mm. Bubo does make a cameo in it as, quote, a piece of junk. Yeah. In Greek mythology... Athena is associated with the owl and is often pictured with one. It don't got a name. <laughs> it represents all owls. Mm. Uber owl. We do see a hellhound in this movie. Uh, Dioskelos <sighs> is what it's called, except that suppo- most of the Greek hellhounds had three heads. Yeah. And that would have been Cerberus, but it simply would have taken Ray Harryhausen too much time to animate a third head. <laughs> There's one two-headed dog in uh, Greek mythology, This the giant Gerinos has a two-headed dog guarding his uh, house. Hercules sure. kills it. Yeah, I just wondered if they like, ran out of budget. It's like, up, oh, I only got yeah. two-thirds in Cerebus. It was. Or that maybe was exactly Cerebus, it. I don't know. You're wondering how Maggie Smith ended up in this movie. The screen, the Oh no, the screenwriter, Beverly Cross, who by the way is a guy, had previously, he was married to Maggie Smith. Oh. So well done, Beverly Cross. A guy uh, named he Beverly? Also, yeah, it's like you know the English, like they have uh, guys named Leslie. Mm. Uh, they wonder why we think they're all gay. They're not gay; they're oh. British. <laughs> uh, he had previously written Jason and the Argonauts in 1963. Wow. Uh, okay, and <laughs> that makes Maggie a lot Smith, of sense. Maggie Smith, who was a fr- was close friends with Laurence Olivier, and she convinced him to join the cast. I doubt. Don't know if he ever forgave her. <laughs> This was the only Ray Harryhausen movie to get a PG rating. Yeah. All of his other ones were either approved in you know by the British rating, or as of 1969 when the uh, the MPAA ratings came out, rated G. Especially the 1970s re-releases of some of his older ones. Mm. This is also the only Ray Harryhausen film to include nudity, which was essential for the plot. <laughs> Absolutely essential. Yeah. Uh, this is also the last theatrical film for which he created the re- the visual effects, and it was the only one in which he had to use assistance. He was getting a bit up there. Yeah. I mean, he'd been doing that stuff since the 50s. Yeah. Uh, before Harry Hamlin was considered for the role of Perseus, they were thinking of, and I just mentioned this, normally we don't. I don't like to bring in the whole, oh, here's who they were thinking of, but I just love some of these images. Malcolm McDowell, <laughs> come on, 
Oh, the Titans yes. are fire in which we all burn. <laughs> uh, hi, hi, hi there, my little Titan droogies. <laughs> Michael York. Okay. Richard Chamberlain. It's yeah. like, wow, you wanted someone even more boring. Maybe they wanted a duck. <laughs> they, they briefly considered Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was, <laughs> yeah, who, of course, ended up playing Hercules in Hercules in New York. Sure. He was pretty much an unknown at that point. That'd have been great. But the, pro- the producer, yeah, he knows I'm going to go and capture Pegasus. <laughs> and we will go and we will fight Caliban and it will be fantastic. I can beat you, Calibus, you girly man, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was kind of interesting because Charles Schneer, the producer, felt that except for Hercules, Greek heroes were sort of athletic, but they weren't overly muscular. Yeah. Relying more on cunning than strength. He has a point. If you look at some of the statues. Sure. Of a lot of the Greek heroes, they aren't huge. I mean, Her- Hercules or Heracles always looks like you know steroid case gone wild. But you look at Perseus, Theseus, Odysseus, any of the yuses, they're <laughs> all more sort of lean and quick looking. Yeah, you would say a lean, mean fighting machine. Fighting perhaps. machine, I would. <laughs> uh, he also felt casting a big muscular actor was kind of a cliche going back to the Italian sword and sandal <laughs> movies of the 50s and 60s. Alan Steele. My backpack filled with pecs. <laughs> uh, in the scene where Perseus actually fights Medusa, along with his nameless, voiceless, and never-speaking henchman, Wait, do you mean Sergeant Exposition? (laughs) No, Sergeant Expositios, who I bring up (laughs) later, uh, he's not there. The only way you can identify them is each one of them has a different uh, sigil on their their shield. One is a griffin. Helmeted guys, yeah. Yeah, exactly. One is a griffin, one has a Pegasus, and one has a flying pig. Oh, it's really hard to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's hard to notice, but I, I read about that and I was watching for it, and yep. Pigs, ha- pig with wings. Sure. There's a bunch. There's other stuff, but most of it isn't terribly interesting. So, but uh, that's about it. Uh, Mike, did you know of any uh, trivia that you wanted to bring in? No, no. Uh, I, I'm dying to hear you get to the story. Tell me a story. Oh man. yeah. Okay. The plot. So this is a retelling of the classic myth of Perseus, the son of Zeus and the woman Danai he visited as a golden shower. <laughs> Ew. I said the same thing. Ew. <laughs> That's what it says. I know. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's a shower. I read it's a shower of gold that landed in her lap. Uh, well, I, I ew, don't care where ew, it lands. Ew, it's ew. still nasty. <laughs> Perseus and his mother are cast adrift because his grandpa is a jerk. Hmm. This is, by the way, right out of the story. King Acreus. They don't mention this, but he was read a prophecy that said. The daughter, the son of Danai, would kill him. Right. That's pretty much as far as they go in terms of following the original story. Perseus ends up in some place, gets tossed to another place because the gods like playing with action figures. <laughs> he falls in love with a beautiful princess Andromeda, but he must defeat the evil Calibos. Wait, who? <laughs> and use the great horse Pegasus. H- hang on. And then Andromeda is going to be fed to a titan called the Kraken. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, so to kill the Kraken, he needs the head of the Gorgon Medusa. And to find her, he needs the help of a small robot owl (laughs) and a bunch of really nifty magic items that he keeps dropping and losing. (laughs) And there are some other monsters, some from Greek mythology, some from Ray Harryhausen, and 
Perseus saves the day somehow, despite being an utter klutz. <laughs> oh, yeah, there are a bunch of gods playing, being played by a much better group of actors than the ones playing the mortals, and they do god stuff because they're all jerks. The end. The lowdown. <laughs> yeah. That is Clash wow. of the Titans. You're yep. uh, really playing your cards close to your chest, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice, yeah. nice move, poker face. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, to bring this up and get this out of the way, yes, the, the opening of the film, the, the father there, the, what, the, the king says, Icarus, yeah. oh, for your sins I shall throw into the ocean. It's like, oh, yeah, what sins? We never yeah, find out. But, yeah, we don't find out that because he knows that Perseus is going to kill him. Yeah. Of course, this turns out to be not true because Zeus kills him by, right. you know, so, pick, by breaking Yes, yeah, the actual get his money myth, back on that prophecy. <laughs> he really should. In, in the actual myth, it's actually kind of embarrassing. Perseus ends up back in Argos, which doesn't get destroyed. That also they make up. Argos is fine, hmm. but he ends up there participating in Olympic Games. He throws a discus, accidentally hits this old man in the head. Oh no! And kills him, and it's his dad. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. This is, by the way, in Greek mythology. Oracles are a pain in the ass, and I don't know why anyone sees them, because everybody always gets the prophecy wrong and ends up making it come true themselves. Maybe I think they should, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, anybody wanted to be an oracle. Maybe that's the lesson. Um, yeah, so he goes to this island, Seraphos, with his mom. There's this other guy, Polydectes, who wants to marry his mom, um, but he's like, uh... You know, Perseus, uh, could you do me a favor? Could you go and get uh, the head of Medusa? That'd be good. Yeah, you could do go do that. Oh, so there, well, he, yeah, but it's not just he tells him to do that. He announces he's going to marry this other woman, and you everyone has to bring him a present of a right. horse. And Perseus is like, I can't afford no horse. Anything else? Okay, fine. Get me the head of the most dangerous monster in creation. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And he does go to visit the three witches, which is in the film, and he does or the gray get the, eye. Yeah, he does get their eye, and he finds out where. Although I, he comes off as less of a jerk in the version I read, it's like yeah. here's your eye, stupid ladies, and throws it. <laughs> Where's our eye? I can't find our eye. Oh, you poop! Um, they also have only one tooth that they share. Oh, good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he does get magic items, although they are, and I, this is what I found anyway, a magic knapsack. To carry the head yeah. in because apparently yep. the blood does do nasty things. Yep. Uh, an adamantine sword, so he gets a yep. plus one sword. Yep. He should really have claws made of those, but he gets Hades snicked. Act yep. <laughs> actual <laughs> helm of darkness, TM. Yeah. Which I think means he puts it on and he can't see anything. I don't know why he'd want that, but <laughs> whatever. Yes, it gives you the power to bump into things. And something, quite honestly, I'm glad they didn't do, but is also kind of cooler than getting Pegasus. He gets Hermes winged sandals. Yeah, he um, actually flies. Yeah, and he gets the, yeah. does get the polished shield. I mean, that's part of it. Although, from what I've seen, it's literally just a shield polished to a mirror finish. It doesn't yeah. do anything. Uh, yep. In the the version I read, he actually sneaks up on Medusa and kills her in his sleep. Yep. Uh, so not um, not exactly the hero that we're. Um... You have to remember something about Greek mythology. Uh, look, I grew up with this stuff. I love Greek mythology. Max is Greek. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Levine's a real Greek name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they changed it Ellis Island from Levinios, but. Uh, Levinicus. Yep. I, I grew up with like Dolaire's big book of Greek myths and. Then I found out later how sanitized those are. The Greek gods and most of the heroes are 
real jerks. <laughs> they are awful, awful people. There's lying and rape and stealing and more rape and a lot of extra rape. And golden showers. <laughs> and, go- and golden showers. <laughs> and bestiality. Man, if you want bestiality... You know, I want a son. Do I want to be a bull or a swan today? Yeah, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Pegasus doesn't show up until the blood of, uh, from the neck of the decapitated Medusa. Yeah. Suddenly Pegasus shows up because, sure. Medusa was pregnant when, and by the way, it's not, I don't know why they changed this part. Some of the little things they change is odd. It is true. Uh, Medusa was a beautiful woman. True. Well, true, excuse me. It's part of the original story. Yeah, right. Excuse me. Not not necessarily true, but Levinicus. it might be. I don't want to piss off any gods who might be listening. Uh, sure. Poseidon has sex with Medusa in the temple of Athena, and Athena and Poseidon kind of have a rivalry going, and she gets really offended. And instead of being, this is what's so obnoxious, she's not mad at Poseidon. She gets mad at Medusa and curses her and turns her into a horrible monster. Okay. Which is, the ironic part is Medusa was the only one in her family of the Gorgons who wasn't a monster. She, They're all horrible, terrible creatures, and she's this beautiful woman, and now she's a monster. Mm. So he flies home, not with Pegasus, but with his little uh, Air Jordans. Flappy and shoes. And on the way home, blood from the bag drops into the desert and makes snakes, which, you know, we don't really need there. But he literally just stops off in Ethiopia, not Ethiopia, but Ethiopia, and Andromeda happens to be living there. They're being attacked by Cetus, a sea monster, because mom, Cassiopeia, dared compare um, uh, her body to Nereides. Yeah, Nereids. Nereids. Nereids, there we go. Uh, And then he kills Cetus, the sea monster. And they get married and, you know. I'm coming, beanie boy! But yeah, there's no Titans. And I have to point out, because there's no Titans, there's no clash of them either, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My usual question, though, now we've gotten the the real story out of the way. Uh, (laughs) Did you see this when it came out? I did. I saw it in the theaters, I remember. And I remember just sitting there going, oh, Lawrence. (laughs) Larry. (laughs) Lawrence, damn it, I will not debase his name. Now, I will. Ha- I gotta say, and I, I remember, I heard him say this a couple of times in interviews. Sir Lawrence Olivier hated movies. He thought movies, almost universally, were stupid and terrible. Well, he was he, right this time. <laughs> he, he was certainly, yeah, he, he proved his own point pretty solidly. He did, but he said, he was absolutely upfront about it. He said, that's where the money is. Yep. I will do any movie if they meet my price. But and I won't do boy, that. Boy, did he! <laughs> oh my! Oh, Lawrence Olivier was in some unbelievably bad movies. Boys, still, but uh, well, he's no Richard he, Burton. Because <laughs> what he wanted to do was theater. The only movies he had he had any enjoyment for at all, and I don't even know if he liked them. We're Shakespearean adapt adaptations, you know, his Hamlet and Henry V, and I think he did Othello and a couple of maybe not Othello, but a couple of others. I think he did, and I think he did it in blackface. Ah! Yeah, 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 awkward because that was the thing. Yeah, so yeah. you know, he was upfront about it. He says, "I'm doing this for the money," and so mm, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to say, even Harry Hamlin is fine. Honestly, he's very pretty, although those big livery lips are kind of distracting. <laughs> but, and he's very nice to look at. Um, he's fine. 
I don't have any problem with Harry Hamlin. I don't think he doesn't make me go, gosh, I can't wait till the next Harry Hamlin film. But yeah. he's fine. He's harmless. Yeah, he does what he's supposed to do, which is look pretty and wear a toga. Luckily, Burgess Meredith is not doing either the coach from the Rocky films or the penguin from Batman. Oh, I was so hoping at some point and going, ah, Perseus, you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. You're a wrecking machine, Perseus. Wag, 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 wag. I was just hoping for a wag, 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 but all right. Um, Maggie Smith in a role that will surprise you. Um, she really is just, she's just wearing a tablecloth and being British. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, she's clearly phoning it in, but even her phoning it in is so good. Yeah, we got She's Larry. amazing, and she does this stuff with absolute nothing. Nothing. No, no. Now, Ursula Andress, I don't think you're quite fair. You say she only yeah. has one line, but she also glares once. Oh, she does, and she <laughs> nods. And That somebody, was another part I don't get. At one point, Zeus is deciding he wants Perseus to be equipped, which is, again, not in the myth. In the <laughs> myth. Equipped, yeah. It's Athena and Hermes go, hey, this kid is going off to do something, you know, we're pretty impressed by. We're going to give him some cool junk. I want to know how <laughs> Hades junk. felt when, when they stole his uh, his hat. Yeah. Because Hades was not known for sharing. But uh, why he looks over and he goes, all right, I want uh, Athena, get him a shield. And it's like, okay, because Athena was the one who carried the great Aegis, the great shield of Zeus. And, uh, you know, you give him a... Give him the hat of, of Hades to make himself disappear. Give him the flower to disappear. <laughs> Think of it too. Yeah. Oh, pitch. and then he looks over at Aphrodite and says, "And he needs a sword." It's like, yeah, because you want a sword, you go to the goddess of love and beauty. Sure. sure. Yeah. Well, why not? You know. Not, I mean, Hephaestus is right there. <laughs> He's in the next room. Athena yeah. goes and talks to him. Yeah. He's the guy you go to for... I, uh, no, we need him for the robot owl. Oh, uh, now, you did leave an actor out, and I'm surprised you did. Yeah. And that's Sean Phillips. Sean Phillips. Do you not know her? She was I, Andromeda, right? She was... I, yeah, she was Andromeda, and I first knew her from I, Claudius. Oh, oh, oh Cass, the woman who played Cassiopeia. Oh, oh Cassiopeia, I'm sorry. You're oh, right. yes. No, I was going to get there. Yes, that's Livia. Yeah. And from Dune, the original yep. one, oh, that's the yeah. Reverend Mother Helen Gaius. Helen Mewen? Um, <laughs> yeah. She's cool. I she love is, Sean Phillips. Yeah, and she was, I'm afraid, pretty wasted. in the, Another one wasted in this movie, a brilliant British actor. She gets like three lines. I mean, but she really, when Thetis is cursing the city, and she looks at the statue, and she's just, her chin's quivering, and she's just whispering, forgive Forgive. Yeah. yeah. It's no. Like, wow. You are putting way more effort than this movie deserves in. Well, and that's the thing because again, the acting in this, I don't remember the acting being good. Um, and as it turns out, you know, this I haven't seen this film since 1981. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, the acting's fine. I would, you know, Larry, Larry's <laughs> phoning it in. I don't get any big depth of character from Larry. It's fine. Um, everyone else, they have four lines. Anybody, yeah. except for Harry. Harry has all the lines. And Harry's fine. I have no problem with him. It's really He's the tolerable. Story. Yeah, the yeah. story is the problem. And I should have known yeah. because what does the film start with? A sandstorm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it has rock climbing. 
It does. So we get to the point where Harry has grown up and now he's, you know, all heroic and stuff. And he starts getting these magic items, his plus one sh- sword, his plus <laughs> one sh- He literally <laughs> leaves the sword behind with yeah. Gorgeous Merrith going, hey, sh- you might want your sword. Hey, kid. And but- your shield. I mean, all he took was the magic hat. Yeah. And what? And let's talk about our hero, shall we? What is the first yeah. thing he uses the magic hat for? I'm going to sneak in this girl's bedroom and watch her sleep. Yeah. Now here. Now yeah. Here, and I'm going to watch her through this sparkly curtain. What yeah. are you, Edward Cullen? Is this Twilight? <laughs> well, it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I walked into thing. that. Yeah. Well, I object to him being a rapey hero. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely unlike the Greek myths. No, so, it's very much like the Greek myths. I got it. Yeah, I'm not saying it was inaccurate, but, but like he sees her, and then okay, her her uh, dream self is taken away in a gold cage by a yeah, giant par- inflatable vulture. I know it's stop <laughs> oh, motion. God, the giant turkey vulture <laughs> that carries off. Apparently, Andromeda can project astrally. Yeah, and then she goes to Calibos, who who used to be her her bow, and has to get a new riddle every day so that uh, when suitors come and they get the riddle wrong, they get burned at the stake. Because apparently Calibos yep. um, has the power to... Um, well, people listen to Calibos and they do what he yeah. says because... Um, uh-huh. Well, so this thing... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know. what. I don't know where Calibos... Okay, he's, suppo- he's a demigod. He's the son of, uh, sure. of Thetis, who is admittedly not a goddess. But of hey, course, no Perseus is the son of a god. He doesn't have magic powers. No. Well, he has the power to forget all his stuff. Yeah, um, he has the power to drop things at the most inconvenient time. And interestingly, because of the way that Greek uh, genealogy works, apparently he is both great-grandfather and half-brother of Heracles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which isn't easy, but there you go. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, he literally... Yeah, genetics in, Gre- in the Greek gods are creepy, especially when you realize that the big... That six of the big 12 are brothers and sisters. Uh, my own grandpa. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, so, you know, the, the problem, I think, there's two major problems that we run up with. And one of them is the story. Um, the script is, mm-hmm. how to put this? Not very good. <laughs> I think that's, that's a polite I know way we're, to put we're it. sort of leaping ahead, but yeah, um, yeah. it's not very good. And the other problem, and this is a shame, is the special effects kind of suck. And yeah. This Ray, is post-Star Wars. It's post-Star Wars. And special effects have got to a point where we're just not willing to buy this anymore. The blue screening in some cases is Boy. honestly Pos- awful. Poseidon, when he's underwater yeah. next to the Kraken's cage, uh, a lot of the scenes with Pegasus flying, yeah. you can just see the blue screen. Yeah. It's and not good. Oh. All, all respect to Ray Harryhausen. The man was a pioneer. Yeah, eighty-one. He was he, he was over. You know, yeah. just, we could do better. I and he, the problem is, is that I don't. Even if the special effects were great, I don't know that it would have helped. But it was yeah. kind of sad to see him go out on this kind of thing. A few years later, there would be a film that would use stop motion to a much better effect and that was a film called dragon slayer which we talked about oh, way back yes. in searching for dnd see our yep. entire series on searching for dnd and it used the same system moving a little uh articulated model one frame at a time but had a device where while the camera was taking the photo taking the frame it would actually jiggle 
the piece that was moving to cause it to blur. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that the dragon in Dragon Slayer looks so much better hmm. than the stuff that Harrahausen's doing. They hadn't invented this yet, so I can't blame Harrahausen. Yeah. But that kind of thing just didn't it didn't hold up anymore. We weren't really well. And to find out that this guy wrote things like Jason, the Argonauts, this makes a lot of sense. Cause that's what this feels like. It feels like a night. And I'll go out on the limb and say this. If this film had come out in 1962, it would be considered a classic. Yeah. I, okay. It would be groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, there is, um, uh, some problems that stand out. One of them I mentioned earlier, which is Sergeant Exposition. Oh, yes. Perseus shows up at the gates of whatever the hell that's, Seraphos, I guess, the city. or and That was the island. Uh, I, uh, Matt, I, I called it Matt painting us. Oh, Jaffa. 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 Yes, Jaffa. that's right. Jaffa. And uh, he just happens to walk in and goes, sees this guy has been burnt at the stake and goes, what happened here? And around the, this this soldier goes around and goes, allow me to explain, complete stranger. <laughs> While he's and eating an apple. <laughs> stands there for like two minutes, just uh, basically giving him the, sa- the stage directions. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, because he will become a sidekick later on. Um, and I am sorry, when Perseus first comes into the city and he's looking around and there's people, uh, you know, <laughs> Breathing fire. All I'm thinking of, oh, welcome to the Ren Fair. Huzzah! <laughs> well, do you yeah. remember what Sergeant Exposition's first line to Perseus is? What is it? Like, hello, stranger or something? It's or? a stranger. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Like, oh, you know everybody else coming in this gate right now. Really? Okay. He didn't point and start yelling, stranger, danger. Yeah, because there will be. Um, yeah, and it's it's bad. Um, I, I mean, I am particularly nitpicky about exposition but it really is hey yeah. here's the reason you're here here's the reason the film's going to go on and hey this is what you're going to do next by, by the, the way your leather mug's being held for you at the next booth <laughs> yep have a turkey leg bye-bye yeah. <laughs> have a scotch egg um and it, it's so perseus first sees andromeda in this little rapey scene where he sneaks into her bedroom. Well, it's not rapey, but it's definitely voyeur peeping Tom-ish. No, I disagree. It's not rape, but it is rapey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there is a, there is a, you know, she would be well within her rights to have him arrested and executed. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he's interested, but then when he finally meets her, it's love at first sight, and there's just this horrible... <sighs> speech he gives about, you know, once I saw you, I knew blah, blah, blah. And I just had to write, gosh, love sure is swell, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kept and, waiting. She she she, she goes to Calabos and Calabos is like, hey, you used to love me. Can't you still love me? And her answer is like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about the acting. I'm sorry. Andromeda is the exception. Yeah. She, uh, when she is chained to the rock, <laughs> and the and the Kraken is menacing her, and she looks mildly concerned. Just <laughs> sort of like, oh look, oh huh. no, a Kraken. There's a something else. Hmm. <laughs> There's something you don't see every day, Chauncey. Well, there you go. I don't know, Edgar. Um, yeah, so she gets the riddle. Um, and she goes back, and my thought was the riddle's going to be what's it got in its pockets? Is unfortunately that's <laughs> it not did involve a ring. Yeah, it did. Although, uh, how, can you really call that a riddle when it's a based on a singular piece of jewelry that nobody else knows? Come no, on, no, it really and, is, and it's incredibly unfair. And good thing Perseus thought, oh, I know, I should bring the hand with me. Yeah. <laughs> so and how tacky next- is that? Hi. 
Here's Ke Hi guys, I'm going to toss Calabos's severed bloody hand onto the steps to show what a cool guy I am. Well, I actually wanted him to walk out and go, let me give you a hand. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but so, yeah, and then, of course, you know, everything's fine. Uh, and uh, Perseus is like, cool, well, I'll fix this and everything will be great. I, I made a deal with Calabos. He, he, we're going to leave each other alone. I cut his hand off. He leaves me alone, which Calabos doesn't do. No. So then it's like, well... <laughs> Yeah, We're going to have to uh, feed her to the Kraken because um, gods and um, the gods of yeah. stuff and reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's kind of confusing about that because, you know, Calabos is begging Thetis, like, look, the child, mom, they took my thumbs. You know, <laughs> I actually kind of felt bad for him because he didn't yeah. do anything. Well, he, we don't, that, the thing is, we never see him do anything. That is a problem because Zeus just says, oh, yeah, he was cruel and he, he killed all of my other Pegasus. Like, wait a minute, Pegasus, there was only one. All right, fine. And it hasn't shown up yet. So he killed a bunch of your horses, and you're pissed off. I shall and zap you fugly. And he does. <laughs> I'm going to turn you into the beast from Beauty and the Beast, but with a tail and stuff. And you shall live in the swamp with the Pacuni. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking it was more like yoga. People from uh, uh, Teenage Caveman, but sure. Well, I was thinking it might actually have been Captain Cool in the Kongs, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so then they they, they steal uh, Pegasus because he's, Calabos is all pissed because this cute guy shows up to steal his, his original. And the thing is, is when he says to her, it's like, you loved me once, can't you love me now? And she basically goes, now, and then wanders <laughs> off. And then later she says to Perseus, yeah, I never really loved him. I just said I loved him. And it's like, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. So we're dealing with Captain Rapey and uh, the, the twin hearted. And a mean girl, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> I, these are our heroes? Okay, sure. And then we find out that we have to go after Medusa um, because it's her eyes. You remember her <laughs> eyes cause people to Sure, turn not her face, not yeah. her actual magical aura. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. And he ends and up going out for, up for, you know, with uh, apparently the river sticks. <laughs> the crossing to the underworld is just oh, it's over there. Well, oh no, forget Orpheus, forget Her Heracles, forget all the guys who had to go through all this crap to find the the entrance to the underworld and travel through the darkness and finally get to the river. Nope, it's over there. Well, then Charon shows up, and he has to have the coin, and out comes the hand, and all I could think of was, none of you English have any balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but there's, like, no reason to bring the River Styx or Charon into this. Nope. Absolutely none. It has it nothing to do with the myth. Nobody's dead the, yet. The other thing I wondered is, he, the, uh, you know, Sergeant Expositius gives <laughs> Perseus one coin. Yeah. And says, this will get you across. First of all, four of them get in the boat. Yeah. And second off, how does he get back? Off. How does he get back? He didn't give him another coin for the river. Is it a round trip? I can <laughs> I know from the mythology, Charon did not sell round trip tickets across the river sticks. No. No. And then when when Calabos shows up later and attacks uh -huh. people, like Calabos shows up and is like, I know, I'll shake some blood and make some scorpions. It's like, okay, you're you're adjacent to the original myth, but you're not actually in it. And then there's this fight with scorpions because yeah. yeah. And then they kill Sergeant Exposition. You yeah. bastards. Yeah. <laughs> he was now one of my favorite know characters. What's happening. Yeah. 
Um, I will say, though, uh, one thing I can say in favor of this movie is that no Greeks were harmed in the making of this film. <laughs> yeah, boy, is there nobody looks at all Mediterranean in this movie. No, no. Yeah, and then, this, this is a very, very white Greece. Yeah, and then the movie, we get to the end, and there isn't Anthem of Joy. There might as well be, but uh, yeah. the movie applauds itself, which is uh, yeah. a good thing because the uh, Oh, the, the audience, audience doesn't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Also, have- you know, our hero, you know, Perseus goes, okay, honey, you know, because Andromeda, unlike the myth, wants to come with him because she lend her prodigious skills at... Um, Math at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> she, and he says, no, no, it's, and he abandons her and says, it's too dangerous. You have to go back to the city where they're going to sacrifice you in case I don't get back in time. No, does he think, yeah, come with me. If it turns out I can't get Medusa's head, we'll just keep going and you won't have to die. No, our hero, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And we might sound kind of mean, but look at the other films in this series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We should be getting to our little questions, though. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) For added fun, sure. <laughs> so, Max, yeah, was this was this film a standout for the year nineteen eighty one? I remember it as such because I was pretty thunderstruck by it. <laughs> but here's the thing: according to your trivia, yeah, it was. It, it was a pretty, yeah, it was a pretty dollars. popular movie. Yeah, somehow, I guess. Somehow, um, well, people were hungry for like big fantasy epics. I guess they, you know, something a little different than science fiction, but with a lot of special effects. Hmm. They just didn't know what they were getting. Yeah, a lot of I special mean, effects from 1960. Yeah, did this film significantly affect films that came after it? Well, I think it killed the fantasy genre for a while. Um, I think so because you did get things like Dragon Slayer and. You did get a few other attempts at Greek myths, like Lou Ferrigno and they did Hercules with him. Mm. The one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think, was earlier. I don't don't know. I would say no. I I don't think it really did influence a lot of them. I mean, they remade it 40 years later, but... I just still don't know why. (laughs) I don't either. It's not like it was that big a hit. It didn't spawn a franchise. No. There were toys. They did have... Clash of the Titan toys. They did. They did. No cereal, but they did have toys. Nope, no cereal. Does this, oh God, does this movie reflect 1981? No. (laughs) Of course it does. Come on. What were all the kids into in 1981? Greek mythology. You know, forget new wave music. Forget slap bracelets or swatches. Nope, the kids were all rocking Greek mythology. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it wasn't in any way trying to. It's supposed to be, you know, reflecting... 1981 BC. Um, so I, that's that's not in a way a fair question because it's not trying to, and it's fine. It doesn't have to. A fantasy film doesn't have to in any way. You could. I can see the the reasoning behind making, bringing in some of the politics today and reflect them and reflecting on them in the genre that they're portraying. But this film isn't trying to, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, I um, I went th- <laughs> through my notes. Uh, how about you? Do you have uh, any? Well, I, I, there are a couple of things in the plot that really I don't get. Like, why does Jaffo have a crocodile call? <laughs> they have these big horns that they blow when they're ready for the crocodile. Why do you design something like that? <laughs> 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 
And then Poseidon uh, can show up with his mouth hanging open in the ocean. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, uh, Tie the wheel, sure. What an, un, what an unforgiving part that was. What do I do? I stand there, try to look like I'm underwater, and come back to Zeus and say, okay, it's done. This is friggin' Poseidon, one of the big three kings of Olympus. I don't even know where Hades is. I guess he's just down in the underworld the whole time. Mostly he's wearing his hat. <laughs> and I gotta say, the ending, why is everyone so happy? Thetis is still mad. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andromeda is still supposed to be sacrificed. Thetis, Thetis, she's gonna eat us. <laughs> <laughs> and while you notice Zeus says, I forbid any revenge against Perseus. Okay, how about, you know, his wife or, her, you know, his mother-in-law? Or their kids or whatever might come later on. Or Pegasus who's still hanging out. Or Bubo. We have to do this. Bubo with uh, a crutch and oh. a sling. <laughs> I remember when he gets knocked over. I My notes, I have, oh, is Bubo dead? Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't help. The other thing I have in my notes is when Perseus arrives on Pegasus, I look at all I could think was, look, here comes the TriStar logo. Sigh. Yeah. <laughs> he gets on his sto- on his winged horse, TriStar, and makes for the screen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, shall we get to our. Uh, let's, let's wrap right. up, yeah. The Roundup. So, Max. Yeah, okay, here comes the big reveal. <laughs> 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 Do you remember how you liked it in 1981? I thought I thought it was horrible. <laughs> I thought it was I was embarrassed. I mean, part of this again is I love the Greek myths, and I really didn't like the way they just mashed in whatever ones fit, which was annoying because there were points where they're like, "Oh yeah, you're sick," and that's right, that's what happens here. And wait, that's wait, Bellerophon is the one who rode Pegasus. What the hell, man? Yeah, Pegasus shows up for two, for a page in the myth of Perseus. And Calibos, who the hell is Calibos? Yeah, why does the sword look like it's a toy? And oh boy, those rhinestones. But <sighs> you've had a ch- you like the film have had a chance to mature, oh, yeah. broaden your experiences, yep. and rethink the error of your ways. So, what did you think about <laughs> it this time? Uh, okay, I will say this. Uh, I do agree with some of it. It wasn't as overall horrible in terms of yeah, the acting, is, except for a couple of people, is perfectly adequate. I have seen worse movies. The movie moves along all right. It, there aren't, there's a few places where it drags, but it's still bad. But it's not, you know, it's not science crazed. It's not <laughs> Repo the Genetic Opera. I think, yeah, over the years, I have seen so many worse movies. I, I mean, I would not recommend this movie, but yeah, it's bad, but it's dopey fun at some points. What about you? You did not, did you see it when it came out? I did. I even yeah. remember who I saw it with. Two friends, I had two childhood friends named David and Mark. Um, and I didn't like it then. Um, I was like, you know, I can see all the mat lines. Uh, there's Larry with lasers coming out of his head, um, which is how you know he's Zeus, I guess. Um, it just everything looks fake. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I remembered the acting being a lot worse, and it's actually fine. I don't, except for Andromeda. God, not cracking. I mean, she's not chewing gum, but quite no, honestly, she, she might be. as well be. She should be. 
and I didn't, I, you know, I saw it, I paid full price. I was disappointed. Um, I, whatever. But now, yeah. now I now? believe all of that and it's dull. Um, <laughs> yeah. I disagree when you said it moves along. I found that it just kind of dragged and all, all right. of the encounters, like the big Ugh. moments are boring. The Medusa encounter. She actually is the best looking monster in this film. Yeah, she's very she, cool. She moves pretty well, as, as yeah. best as you can. Um, the she's design's pretty interesting. I mean, she's literally a monster. We know nothing about her. That's fine. I don't think we needed yeah. to. Everybody knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't remember in the original story that he brought red shirts along, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got them, use them. Yeah. Um, but the end with the Kraken, it's literally the guys with the giant butt horns. <laughs> the Kraken shows up and goes, <laughs> It flails a little bit. She goes, wow. And then Perseus shows up, initially gets dumped in the water. Yeah, drops the head of Medusa as he has dropped everything <laughs> he has been given in this movie. He loses the shield. He drops the helmet in the swamp. Yeah. It's like into the swamp. He loses, I don't know if he lost the sword or if he just forgot it. And he well, drops the head. I love it when the gods are like, well, what happened to the helmet? Uh, he dropped it in the swamp and it's lost forever. Yeah. It's like, yeah. aren't you it, gods? Can't you just reach down and pull it back out? Yeah, and it fell into like a foot and a half of water. Really? It's that hard to find? Yeah. Um, but the, so then um, Bubo, uh. Bubo grabs the head, which must outweigh it by at least a factor of three. Uh. And he Make gets to the rock and he goes like, "Oh, cool! I can open the bag now." Because what stymies Perseus in his moment of heroism? <laughs> a knot. Yeah, that he tied. <laughs> he can't untie a damn knot. Our hero, ladies and gentlemen, the knot cried, "Good golf!" <laughs> and he finally, without the kraken having destroyed anything, it doesn't shake the ground. It doesn't fart up noxious fumes. Nope. It doesn't really do anything. He just gets knocked uh. into the water. He grabs the head, holds it up, it lights up, and he goes, ah, turns to stone and falls apart the end. Like, yep. anthem of joy we sing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's just, I find it very anticlimactic. So while you say the movie is bad, I'm going to have to say that the movie is in fact bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I'm sorry, I felt it a little real slap in the face at the end where they tried to tack a message in. Oh, yeah, don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, Zeus is addressing the gods, and they're all saying, oh, but what if they start being smart and doing nice things, and they won't need gods anymore? And says, well, then we'll just disappear. And, but that's it. Be nice, and we won't need gods and stuff. And by the way, you get a constellation. You get a constellation. <laughs> Everybody gets a constellation. Yeah. Ah! It's um, especially, especially... When you compare this to the other films that came out this year, it's like, uh, and I don't care yeah. how much money it made, and I don't know how it made that much money. I really don't. We must have been really starving for that Star Wars film. Um, uh. I, whatever. But, uh, hey, would you do us a favor and go over that nifty, cool poll question you brought up and tell people how they can answer it? I think I will. But to answer it correctly, you will need the help of a robot owl. <laughs> No, you won't. <laughs> so the question yes, is... Yes. Uh, is there a type or genre of movie that you feel has just been done to death? Just overdone, we've saturated. One that just makes you go, oh, jeez, not another one of these types of movies. And if so, what kind? And you can answer this question any of a myriad number of ways. 
You can, of course, offer burnt offerings to us at the temple of, of Vogsprotz, the frog god. Um. Yes, absolutely. No. Burnt offerings, lots of burnt offerings. We, we, we closed that account. Oh, damn, that's right. Well, they kept raising the price. Anyway, you can, of course, come visit us at our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leave a comment. Or for extra bumpy bucks and no bumpy pucks, you can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can, of course, we'll post this question on our Facebook, and you can uh, follow us on the Twitters at maxmikemovies. Mm. And, of course, you can always listen to us on all of your favorite podcast apps. But this does bring us to an interesting, another interesting question. Yes, Mike. where are we going to get you some help? <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that the question? What are we going to watch next week? I'm sending you the answer right now. Ow! Ow! What's happening? Why are the veins in my head popping? Why am I turning into Michael Ironside? <laughs> and then Max's head explodes. <laughs> because next week, as part of our series, that sure was 1981, we, because Max and I are both of this, are going to watch scanners. There are 4 billion people in the world, and 237 of them are scanners. What's the scanner, you say? The scanners are fewer. <laughs> yes, fewer. We're very elite. I'm good at math. <laughs> no, you've already no, proven I'm that you really are not. not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so next week, we are going to scan you for the answer to, is scanners a great hidden gem of 1981, or is it a film you've merely never heard of? This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.